From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, the Biden administration is replacing travel bans for non-U.S. travelers to the U.S. with what could be considered vaccine passports. Is this the first step to vaccine requirements for domestic airline travel for U.S. citizens? President Biden's Dr. Fauci says it's on the we table. We have not yet gotten to the point of requiring vaccinations on domestic flights, but everything is on the table. We consider these things literally on a daily basis. We'll talk about it later here on Washington Watch. On Friday, in an interview with the Associated Press, the embattled General Milley defended his calls to his Chinese counterpart, which were revealed in the forthcoming book Peril by Bob Woodward. Milley assured his counterpart that Milley would give them warning if then-President Donald Trump was to attack China. Milley is scheduled to testify before Congress on September 28th. We'll talk with a member of the House Armed Services Committee, Missouri Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler, in just a moment. And speaking of the vaccine mandate, the governors are lining up to fight the Biden administration's mandate on private employers. This is an egregious overreach of federal authority. And as we see what these rules are, we will be able to know exactly how we will be able to challenge them in court. That was Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts. He joins us with more on what the states are prepared to do in pushing back on the Biden administration's mandate. Members of the U.S. military are being told that objecting to the COVID vaccine by exerting a religious exemption is futile. But is it? We'll talk about it with Mike Berry, general counsel for First Liberty Institute, later here on Washington Watch. We'll also get to the topic of the growing border crisis and the meeting of world leaders at the United Nations this week, where global warming, COVID, and Afghanistan will be topping their list of concerns. Well, guess what? They're all at the top of my list as well, but for different reasons. So I'm going to be talking about them too, starting with Afghanistan. Marine veteran Chad Robichaud, the founder of Mighty Oaks Foundation, is here with the latest on Afghanistan, the targeting of Christians and the effort to get those those still alive out of the country. A lot to cover today. If you happen to miss anything on your way home, you can find it all later archived at TonyPerkins.com. By the way, tomorrow, FRC Action is holding a special online training session for those concerned about what is happening on school boards and in public school classrooms across the country. How can you find out what is happening in government school classrooms? Well, that's the focus of tomorrow's session, how to file a Freedom of Information Act request. Find out more, how you can be a part, go to TonyPerkins.com. Also, mark your calendars, plan your travel. The inaugural Pray Vote Stand Summit is coming up October the 6th through the 8th at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, which, by the way, has been the epicenter, the battle over the indoctrinations that is taking place in our public schools. To find out more about that event, go to TonyPerkins.com and make your plans now to be a part of the first Pray Vote Stand Summit. All right. Uh, also, hey, let me just uh, give you a little plug here real quick. You may have seen this. Uh, those of you who uh, the eagle eyes that are watching the video stream of this program for the past few weeks have spotted a new mug on my desk. You see it right there? It is our very own stand mug, 15 ounces of American-made ceramic coffee mug. And uh, you can get yours so that if you need a reminder every morning when you have your bold coffee to stand firm for the truth, 
Go to TonyPerkins.com and get your own stand mug. All right. As NBC's Chuck Todd noted yesterday, President Biden has a pretty big credibility crisis on his hands. As you know, it's bad when even the legacy media can't ignore it. Well, last month, after the completion of the U.S. military withdrawal from Afghanistan, the president patted himself on the back for striking an ISIS-K target using an over-the-horizon system. We will maintain the fight against terrorism in Afghanistan and other countries. We just don't need to fight a ground war to do it. We have what's called over-the-horizon capabilities, which means we can strike terrorists and targets without American boots on the ground, or very few if needed. We've shown that capacity just in the last week. We struck ISIS-K remotely, days after they murdered 13 of our service members and dozens of innocent Afghans. But as it turns out, that strike killed 10 civilians as the commander of the U.S. Central Command, General Kenneth McKenzie, reported on Friday. Having thoroughly reviewed the findings of the investigation and the supporting analysis by interagency partners, I am now convinced that as many as 10 civilians, including up to seven children, were tragically killed in that strike. Moreover, we now assess that it is unlikely that the vehicle and those who died were associated with ISIS-K or were a direct threat to U.S. forces. And, of course, that's not the only place where President Biden has gotten it so wrong. There is the migrant surge at the southern border, which the president back in March said was just um, a seasonal uptick. It happens every single solitary year. There is a significant increase in the number of people coming to the border in the winter months of January, February, March. It happens every year. The reason they're coming is that it's the time they can travel with the least likelihood of dying on the way because of the heat in the desert. Well, we've gone through winter, spring, and now summer, and the numbers have only increased, topping 200,000 the past two months. And now we have around 15,000 migrants under a bridge in Texas waiting to get into the U.S., under a uh, with with more that's uh, on the way behind them is the president hoping that no one is noticing well with me now to talk about all of this and more is congresswoman vicki hartzler she is a member of the house armed services committee she represents the fourth congressional district of missouri congresswoman hartzler welcome back to the program well thanks tony it's good to be here a, a lot to cover and i know your plate is full you're dealing with the national defense uh, Authorization Act, which is a uh, an annual event in terms of funding the military and determining some of the policy for the military. Before we get into this issue of immigration, how does that stand in terms of standing with and supporting our military with solid policy? Well, overall, it's, it's very good. Uh, thanks to the Republicans, we were successful in increasing the amount of funding uh, for our men and women in uniform, as you know, President Biden had actually in real dollars proposed a decrease in our defense spending plus a 16 percent increase in all the social programs in government, but yet a uh, decrease in defense and zeroed out the Homeland Security budget, which uh, as far as increases, uh, which covers the border. So his priorities were very clear. And so uh, there are several positive provisions in the defense bill, uh, increase for our pay for our men and women in uniform, 
uh, making sure that we have more aircraft and more ships to counter China and the other adversaries that we have. But there are some concerning provisions in there as well, including a provision that would require women and girls to have to start registering for the draft. And as I spoke in committee against this amendment, I just believe it's not necessary. This is a solution in, in search of a, a problem, really, in that there are adequate numbers of males who are already draft uh, uh, that have registered for the selective service. And if there was a crisis, I feel confident that enough people would volunteer and step up to meet that crisis. And we already have women serving valiantly, over 16% of our military are women who voluntarily serve. So it's not necessary, and uh, I think it's very concerning. So there are uh, pieces that, uh, in addition, I have concerns about. Well, few have fought harder for our nation's men and women, uh, the, the men and women who serve our nation in uniform, and uh, we're grateful for your service on the Armed Services Committee. And I'm going to get to General uh, Milley in just a moment, but I, I want to go uh, to our southern border uh, tomorrow, I'm going to be joined by one of your colleagues who is just returning from the border today, uh, Congressman Biggs, who led a delegation and as chairman of the Freedom Caucus. But what, what's your reaction to what's happening on our southern border? It is sickening and it is concerning. It is totally out of hand. And our Border Patrol agents are overwhelmed. They are true heroes, but they have been abandoned by the Biden administration and this government, who's just turned a blind eye to the crisis that they have caused by inviting people to come here and saying, if you come here, then we're going to allow you to come into our country and we're going to pay for your, your med medical needs and your health care and your uh, schooling. And uh, we're going to pay for you to go wherever you want in this country. And we stopped, he stopped the construction of the border security system. And uh, we just have a crisis on our hands. I am very much support, supportive of legal immigration, as I know most Americans are. But to just allow anyone to come and encourage them is a really national security issue. Uh, Border Patrol has already arrested over a dozen people on the terrorist watch list from the beginning of this year. And we don't even know uh, who the over 350,000 people are that they consider getaways. Those are just uh, the over a million people that they have caught and tried to process in some way. Uh, we also have a health crisis because uh, these individuals do not have to have uh, the COVID vaccine, although they're forcing that on our military, forcing that on businesses and citizens of our country. But if you come over uh, our border illegally, then you don't have to have the vaccine and you're released in our country. So there's a health crisis, there's a security crisis, and uh, it is a real, real problem. Yeah, I um, actually think uh, I think I may have a clip of uh, of that particular issue because I don't want people to miss what you're saying there because this is this is reality that those coming into our country illegally across the border are not required to have a vaccine, but those of us living, working residents, uh, citizens of this country are. Play clip number one, please. Requirement for people at a business with more than 100 people, and it's not a requirement for migrants at the southern border. Why? That's correct. Go ahead. Uh, they don't want to talk about it. Uh, there, there seems to be, I mean, I, I, it, it's hard to explain what this administration is doing. And for the most part, 
when you look at how significant and big this problem is, as you just described, Congresswoman Hartzler, the media, the legacy media seems to be giving this administration a pass. Absolutely. It seems like there's only one network that's even covering this crisis and the 15,000 people right now uh, under that bridge. And that is it is it is a, a true tragedy for our country. And it's endangering our citizens, endangering their health, endangering their livelihoods and certainly their security, as we don't know who these individuals are. Plus, when I was there at the border a couple months ago, uh, the Border Patrol had already confiscated as much drugs as they had in the entirety of last year. So we have record amounts of fentanyl and opioids and meth that the drug cartels are sneaking into our country in addition to all of these illegal uh, immigrants. So it is a real problem. We have had overdose records, unfortunately, last year of Americans. And this is only going to continue if we continue to allow these drugs to flow into our country and have an open border. Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler, I hate that clock because that means we're out of time because we didn't even get to General Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, defending his comments on Friday. Do you think he has some explaining to do to Congress? Oh, absolutely. If it is found to be true that he talked to his counterpart in China, General Lee, and told him, if we are going to attack you, I will let you know. If that is true, he ought to resign immediately. All right. Well, we're going to be watching this very closely as he testifies before Congress on the 28th of the month. Uh, Congresswoman Vicki Hartzer, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. All right, folks, stick with us. Stick with us. Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts is next. Don't go away. With tech censorship on the rise, we've increasingly seen the cancellation of conservatives and Christians. At Family Research Council, we want to be proactive about making sure big tech doesn't completely silence us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, if we are canceled, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone by signing up for our text alerts. Just text STAND to 67742. Again, text STAND to 67742. And FRC will send you special alerts on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for what's right and keep you connected with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Join us for FRC and FRC Action's inaugural Pray Vote Stand Summit. In light of the growing opposition our culture has expressed against biblical principles and to the truth of God's word, we've launched Pray Vote Stand Summit to equip and encourage Christians to respond to this opposition from a biblical worldview. We will address issues such as protecting the unborn, the importance of the nuclear family, domestic and international religious liberty, developments in our nation's education system, and more. We see the need for the restoration of a biblical foundation in our nation and the necessity to equip Christians to effectively engage the culture and understand current events through a biblical lens. Join us at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, 
from October 6th through the 8th for the Pray Vote Stand Summit. Register online at prayvotestand.org slash summit or by calling 877-372-2808. More than ever before, Christians need to be grounded in the truth of God's Word and be prepared to articulate them in a winsome manner. That is why Family Research Council has launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. By applying the Bible and the historical teachings of the church to a wide range of relevant issues, including voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality, the experts at the center have provided resources to help Christians live by a biblical worldview. To understand why scripture must be authoritative and to equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. Access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series at frc.org slash worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including their latest blogs, op-eds, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org slash subscriptions. I'm Tony Perkins, and you're listening to Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. Be sure and find out more about the Pray Vote Stand Summit coming up October the 6th through the 8th. And while you're there on the website, order your own stand mug, coffee mug, 15 ounces. It's a good size one, and it's made in the USA. Nothing about this comes from China. So go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, if there were a political version of uh, Smokey the Bear, you know, don't start forest fires. Um, if there were a political version, I tell you who would be top on his wanted list. It would be Joe Biden. He just seems to be creating these political fires all around him. I mean, everywhere, everywhere he goes, there's this uh, this fire burning. And in fact, it's, it's out of control. So what's he? it looks like he's trying to focus on one of them that, I think their polling, I read an article in The Atlantic today that suggests that their polling shows that the American people support him in his mandates on uh, the vaccine. In fact, uh, President Biden stated as much last week. Here's what he said. The data shows that the overwhelming majority of Americans agree with my proposal. There's no surprise given that 76% of American adults have already gotten at least one shot. But but we're facing a lot of pushback, especially from some of the Republican governors. Well, the polling I've read suggests that the American people are backing the governors and their pushback to the overreach of the federal federal government. Joining me now to talk more about this, Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts. Governor, welcome back to the program. My pleasure. Thanks very much for having me on. Well, let's talk about that pushback because you're not alone. In fact, uh, over a majority of the governors of this country are they've sent a letter to the president on a number of fronts, uh, not not to mention immigration, but on this issue of pushing back on the uh, vaccine mandate. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I want to start by saying, hey, we encourage people to get uh, vaccines. Vaccines help create the antibodies that will help you fight off the virus and avoid going to the hospital or even uh, death. So we are all working as Republican governors to give people the comfort level they need to be able to get that vaccine. But for to have the federal government 
mandate this is just a huge overreach of federal power that should make all this very concerned. I mean, first of all, for the American worker, nobody should ever have to make that choice between keeping their job and feeding their family or getting a shot in the arm and violating their own personal health. I mean, I know a lot of people who are choosing not to get the vaccine just because they don't know what to believe. And you can certainly see uh, when you've got the CDC and Dr. Fauci changing their minds, moving the goalposts, you can understand why they would not necessarily believe everything they're seeing coming out of the CDC or Dr. Fauci. So there's just a lot of people who want to see what happens with this for many legitimate reasons. And I think if you're a business, this is something that would be really troubling to you as well, that forget about this administration, any administration, if this is allowed to stand, would be able to declare an emergency, publish OSHA rules, and make private businesses become the enforcer of federal policy. Again, a huge overreach of federal government and absolutely not within their constitutional purview. So this is really troubling on a lot of different levels for our workers, for our companies, and that's why we as Republican governors, even though we encourage vaccines, are pushing back very hard on this huge expansion of federal power. I mean, this is big government socialism, pure and simple. I, I'm with you. I am not anti-vaccine. In fact, those in high-risk categories, I encourage them to uh, have that conversation with their their physician, their doctor. And, uh, you know, if it, if it works for them, they should get the vaccine. But you've you've made a point which I think needs to be underscored that this is about trust and that the actions taken by this administration is doing anything but building trust. If they wanted to, I think, increase the vac- the vaccinated portion of America, they would put all the facts on the table and they would have a conversation with the American people that would include all aspects of the science, including natural immunity, considering individual health situations. But that's not happening. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And in fact, the CDC and Dr. Fauci have been anything but straightforward with the American people. They keep changing the goalposts. Dr. Fauci admitted that himself when he talked about percentage of people needing for herd immunity. They haven't talked about what about natural immunity, if I've already received it. And, you know, one of the things, too, we got to remember is that while I'm very grateful to have this vaccine, it was developed in record time. The previous record for a vaccine being developed was the months of the 1960s, and that was four years. Typically, it takes 10 to 15 years to develop a vaccine. And so there's time for the information about the vaccine to disseminate. There's time to do longer-term studies on it. So people who are hesitant about this are asking those questions because in some cases there just hasn't been the time to be able to disseminate the information. And this is just creating huge unintended consequences where you've got people who don't trust the federal government already. They're putting out this mandate. I've had people tell me they're not against the vaccine, but they're not going to get it now because they don't want to be told what to do. And in fact, here in Nebraska, the week after the president's vaccine mandate, announcement, we saw the number of vaccines we were able to deliver go down because of that. And so this is, again, right. totally counterproductive. I think Dr. Scott Cotley was on uh, TV a couple of weekends ago talking about how companies were going to do this. They're now going to take a wait-and-see attitude, further slowing down this. Uh, again, I just don't think the Biden administration is thinking through these policy decisions and running them through all their agencies to look at all the consequences before they jump into something that, again, to me, is just going to be totally counterproductive. As you mentioned, uh, back to the trust issue, when you compare this back to the uh, polio vaccine, you know, it was a different time in which there was a greater level of trust with our government. We don't have that today. And as you clearly pointed out to Chris Wallace uh, on the Fox News Sunday, is that 
you know, we haven't had the time. This has been developed in record time. People need to have the ability to know how this is going to play out. Very valid issue. Uh, very quickly, Governor Ricketts, before we run out of time, what is planned in terms of the pushback uh, against the Biden administration, this overreach on private business? Now, we're going to muster all the tools we have to push back on this. I've been in close contact with my fellow governors, as well as our attorney general, Doug Peterson, who has been working with his colleagues. Uh, they've already sent a letter to the president telling him that what he's doing is uh, unlawful and outlining for him why. And so as we get the regulations that come down to us from OSHA, the Department of Labor, we will be able to form a specific strategy about how to push back on this. But there's going to be several lines of attacks because this is just so overreaching and really so out of the scope of what, for example, OSHA was meant to do. And uh, this is something that, again, we're going to be taking to court and getting this stopped. Well, we're grateful for you and the other governors fighting it. And uh, we look forward to see how that strategy unfolds as the rules are actually implemented uh, and uh, listed by the federal government. Uh, Governor Ricketts, thanks so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thanks very much for having me on, Tony. All right, folks, stick with us. We're coming back with more Washington Watch after this. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Have you ever tried to read the Bible daily, but struggled to get in a groove? It can be hard, especially if you don't know where to start, or how to understand and apply what you've read. Or maybe it's just that doing it alone has made it too easy to give up. Well, let me encourage you. You don't have to do this daily discipline alone. You can join Family Research Council's Stand on the Word two-year Bible reading plan. God's Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. That is why we want to read the Bible daily, and we'd love for you to join us so we can stay grounded in God's truth and grow closer to God together. Our hope is that this plan will help you be transformed by God's Word, by reading and hearing it daily. Sign up to get the daily passages and questions today by visiting frc.org Bible. That's frc.org Bible. Welcome back, everybody. This is Washington Watch. All right. All branches of the U.S. military have set deadlines for service members to get the COVID vaccine. Navy, Air Force and Marine Corps active duty service members have deadlines in November. And last week, the U.S. Army announced that active duty soldiers have until December the 15th to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19. 
Those who do not get the COVID shot could face a possible discharge from the military. For those seeking waivers to avoid immunization, there are essentially two options, medical or religious exemptions. But some have been reportedly told that religious exemptions, the effort to get that would be futile. But are they? With me now to talk about this is Mike Berry, General Counsel for First Liberty Institute, which handles a lot of military legal issues. Mike, welcome back to the program. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start uh, with this. Is it futile for members of the military to seek a religious exemption from the vaccine? Absolutely not. Uh, Federal law, DOD regulations, the Constitution, they all protect the right of service members to request religious exemptions from this vaccine mandate. And any military official, uh, any commanding officer, or anyone in the chain of command who tries to say otherwise is simply not telling the truth. And and I suspect that that many of them are, whether wittingly or unwittingly, uh, misleading their their troops into, uh, you know, to, to misinformation. Now, Mike, last week, uh, the military said that the request for religious exemptions was going to be uh, sent to the chaplains, if I understand correctly uh, what I read about this. And that was going to be based upon denominational positions on the vaccine. But the reality is, um, you know, the denominations haven't taken issues on the vaccine themselves this is more of a individual religious liberty issue, is it not? That's absolutely right. And, and again, any, any military commander or person in a position of authority who tries to do that, and, and, and by that I mean tries to direct a service member or coerce or compel them to speak to a particular chaplain of a denomination or to provide some sort of denominational position is playing a very dangerous constitutional game. Uh, because not only does the law not require that, uh, in many instances, the law forbids government officials from forcing or compelling service members to essentially prove uh, prove the legitimacy or validity of their religious beliefs. And one of the things that at First Liberty we've been advising service members of for, for, uh, for weeks now is the only thing you have to establish as the service member is sincerity. Right. Your belief just has to be sincere. It doesn't even have to be reasonable in the eyes of somebody else as long as it is sincere. And once it's sincere, the burden shifts to the government. They now have to carry the water, not you. And so that's why I say that these commanders and other officials are playing a very dangerous constitutional game. So, Mike Berry, we've got a I know we've got a lot of members of the military that listen to our program and I've actually been in communication with some who have emailed me about this concern. What do they need to do? How can they find out more about their rights in, in terms of exerting a religious exemption? And where might they find legal help? Yeah, at First Liberty, we've uh, been experiencing the same thing. Hundreds, um, uh, I mean, thousands of people nationwide across all sectors of society and hundreds who are in the military, whether they're active duty or reserve. They're being harassed, they're being intimidated, they're experiencing all sorts of hostility. So what we did is we created a a, uh, military, or excuse me, a COVID vaccine toolkit is what we call it. It explains the law regarding vaccine mandates. There's an entire section devoted to service members and what service members can do. And I actually wrote myself, I'm the one that drafted it, so if there's any errors, I guess I have to take the blame. But 
um, there, uh, there is an entire section devoted to the military with a template that service members can use to fill out that will essentially allow, enable them to submit a religious exemption request. And what we're telling folks is we can't represent everybody who wants to submit a religious exemption request. But if your request is denied, send it to us at firstlibertyinstitute.org. We can review it and evaluate it and determine whether or not the request was denied properly or improperly. And if it was denied improperly, let's look at whether or not we should appeal that. Mike, what has been your experience thus far with those making the religious liberty uh, exemption claim? Uh, unfortunately, so far, Tony, it's just as you described at, at the beginning of our segment, which is they've been experiencing a lot of hostility and a lot of subtle and sometimes not so subtle coercion. And, and commanders have been telling them, uh, you can submit this request, but it's an exercise in futility because I'm not going to grant it or the military is not going to grant it. Uh, I mean, in, in one instance, uh, an officer who, who's at the U.S. Naval Academy told me that every person at the Naval Academy and the faculty and staff who is not vaccinated was told they had to report zero uh, eight hundred in the morning. They were all rounded up in a room. They were given one last chance to get vaccinated. And, and if they weren't, then they were told, well, uh, you can submit a medical exemption request or religious exemption request. But we're telling you. Though we are not going to favorably recommend that you get the exemption, and we, we believe the Navy will deny all of them. So, uh, and, and tell you what I'm telling people is, look, there will be some that get denied. That's We understand that. That's the way that the law works. Not every request for exemption is going to be granted, but the number can't be zero. It, and, and, right. and thus far, it's been zero. And that's, that's a legal impossibility, and it defies logic. Well, Mike Berry, we're going to encourage those that uh, want to take this stand and exert this freedom to uh, be in touch with you if they need the help, because you certainly will stand with them. Mike Berry, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, more Washington Watch on the other side of the break. Don't go away. We're back after this. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student? specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to influence public policy and culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that prepares and equips students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview trainings, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns will have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls them. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving interns the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. Is real biblical masculinity lost forever? In this culture of gender confusion, there are too few examples of godly manhood. So where can men, husbands, and fathers find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength in this culture? Try our Stand Courageous Men's Ministry. We seek to help men develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. 
men who will stand courageous. We invite you to join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who struggle with the same issues you do and will invest in unpacking our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can have a generational influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With tech censorship on the rise, we've increasingly seen the cancellation of conservatives and Christians. At Family Research Council, we want to be proactive about making sure big tech doesn't completely silence us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, if we are canceled, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone by signing up for our text alerts. Just text STAND to 67742. Again, text STAND to 67742. And FRC will send you special alerts on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for what's right and keep you connected with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. Right, the website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of information there for you. As I mentioned at the top of the program, tomorrow, uh, part two of our school board boot camp, where those that are involved in what's happening in school boards across the country, uh, tomorrow's focus will be on how to file a FOIA request. That's a Freedom of Information Act request, so you can find out what's actually being taught. You know, a lot of this stuff is being hidden. It, it's being hidden from parents and citizens. So how do you find out what's going on? That's the topic for tomorrow. To find out more, go to TonyPerkins.com. Also, mark your calendars. The first Pray Vote Stand Summit coming up October the 6th through the 8th. Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. To find out how you can be there and be a part of it, you got it, TonyPerkins.com. All right, uh, before I go to my next guest, I, I just want to touch on this top of the program. But uh, the, the White House announcing uh, today that they're lifting travel restrictions for foreign visitors, foreign visitors. Now, there's been this kind of blanket uh, restriction on foreign travelers into the U.S. from really since the outbreak of the virus. But here's the catch. Uh, they're lifting the broad bans on most non-citizens from entering the U.S. from the U- U.K., the E.U. and other countries. But but visitors will have to show vaccination against COVID and a negative COVID test taken within three days of departure. And and certainly they'll still have to wear a mask on the plane too. So this is in essence a vaccine passport for non-U.S. citizens coming to the United States. Now, why do I, why do I bring this up? You know, the airlines are kind of celebrating this because it's going to mean profits for them uh, because this is going to take effect in early November, which is a prime travel season for people coming to the United States. But could this be, could this be a precursor to a vaccine, quote unquote, passport for domestic travel for U.S. travelers? Now, here was what uh, President Biden's doctor, 
Dr. Fauci had to say yesterday on the weekend show. Well, the team has a lot of things on the table. No, nothing has been taken off the table. That decision has not been made. You know, the president made the decision when it comes to flying. If, you, if a person does not want to wear a mask or doesn't wear a mask, they double the fining on that. We have not yet gotten to the point of requiring vaccinations on domestic flights, but everything is on the table. We consider these things literally on a daily basis. Again, that was Dr. Fauci yesterday on Meet the Press talking about uh, how everything's on the table. And, and so I'm, I'm sounding the alarm on this uh, because we see this propensity for mandates from this administration, and this could be next in line a passport, vaccine passport for U.S. citizens for domestic air travel. Now, that's going to bring a host of legal suits if it does occur. Uh, but anyway, just um, sending up a little flare there. All right, as I mentioned, the United Nations, uh, all the world leaders meeting this week in New York, talking about global warming, uh, talking about COVID-19, but also talking about Afghanistan. And I want to talk about all these things this week, too. I want to talk about them from a different perspective. It's been three weeks since U.S. withdrew the last of troops from Afghanistan, and there are reports claiming that the Taliban has been arresting and in some instances executing people they perceive as enemies. And top of the list are Christians. Joining me now to give us an update on Afghanistan and what's been happening there is Chad Robichaud, a former Force Recon Marine and DOD contractor with eight deployments to Afghanistan as a part of a Joint Special Operations Command Task Force last month. His organization, the Mighty Oaks Foundation, joined with other veterans uh, in their organizations to form Save Our Allies, a coalition that's working to evacuate Afghan personnel who supported U.S. forces as well as evacuating their families. So far, the Save Our Allies Coalition orchestrated the escape of 12,000 people from the clutches of the Taliban. Chad, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Mr. Perkins. All right, Semper Fi, uh, Chad, uh, let's start with the latest of what's going on in Afghanistan. I know you were in Washington recently meeting uh, with some of the leaders. Uh, are we making any progress in getting our allies in those that are vulnerable to the Taliban, are we getting them out? Well, I can tell you that the NGO community has been extremely successful. Uh, we need the continued support and partnership of the United States government. The uh, United States government is not willing to do this themselves. Uh, we, we met with the Joint Chiefs. We met with uh, members of the Department of Homeland Security uh, on the, uh, both the extraction and resettlement. We do have sanctioning. Uh, we, we are covered by the both CENTCOM, NORTHCOM, uh, OFAC to be actually doing these evacuations. Um, we're continuing to do it. Uh, we just worked yesterday with uh, Save Our Allies, partner with Nazarene Fund, Berkeley One, Glenn Beck's folks. Uh, we got 95, the 95 girls who are the uh, female soccer team for uh, Afghanistan. We got those girls out. Uh, we have so many more that we're working to get out. Uh, unfortunately, the United States government is not going to do it, but thankfully they're not going to stop us uh, from doing it as well. So you say they're not going to stop you. Are they just saying, okay, go ahead, or are they actually helping? Uh, no, they're not helping. They're, they're just uh, telling us, go ahead, we're not going to get in your way. Uh, essentially, we're not going to you know, be violating any laws by doing so. However, you know, there are laws, international laws, that we have to 
we need the we need State Department support with. We have to we can't you know an NGO just can't get on a get a plane full of uh, Afghans and uh, fly them into any country. We have to have a place to land, and this has been the biggest problem. And we need the State Department to start clearing some areas for us to land and and get people too. Uh, we need. We need uh, countries, uh, host countries, to land our land these Afghans in, including the United States. And uh, so we need the State Department to move the needle on that. And we also need the White House and uh, particularly the, uh, President Biden to uh, to to remove some hurdles. Currently, uh, currently, I just wrote a check today for seventeen. I wrote a check today for about eighteen thousand dollars to legal firms to pay five hundred and seventy-five dollars per person for humanitarian visas. We're we're having to pay for visas. For those that we're extracting, including those the United States government flew out, um, and so this, uh, I, I'm, I believe in a paid process for visas. But right now, I think we need an exemption from the White House through executive order. To, I mean, there's no reason that an NGO like myself should spend $575 per person to write an $18,000 check when we are already paying for flights and other things like that. Well, especially when, when in, in essence, you're doing the work that the military or the, the government should have done and not leaving these people behind. That's right. That's right. And, uh, and there's many more left. That it's only a, I mean, we have, I estimate over 5,000 Americans are still there in Afghanistan. People were saying that I was overestimating or, or pull, trying to pull heartstrings, and, uh, and I was pretty firm on that number. And then we seen in the Senate hearing uh, last week that 5,000 is about the number. Uh, you can just go off the White House's math. They said 16,000 were in Afghanistan before the pullout. They claim to have got out 6,000. Uh, 6,000 uh, 6, minus 15,000 is not 200. Uh, and But even if it's one uh, American, we still need to be doing everything uh, within, the, within the United States government's capability to get that person out. And, and we're not. And that includes our allies as well. Chad, when you say 5,000 Americans that are still there in Afghanistan, are these – uh, individuals with dual citizenship that are both Afghan citizens and U.S. citizens, or do we have, you know, NGOs that were working there in Afghanistan that were left behind as well? I'd say both, but I think the majority of those are dual citizens, um, which makes it even more dangerous, in my opinion, because, you know, if, a, if an Afghan American uh, has a, a blue passport and they get it taken from them, they know that they will never get out. And that's why we're seeing them hiding right now. Uh, you know, we have you know, safe house networks that we're hiding them in, and uh, they're scared to go. They're scared to go out because as soon as they lose that blue passport, they're done. They're never leaving Afghanistan, and they know it. Now, you mentioned about the State Department needing to uh, to assist in uh, taking these flights out and landing in particular countries. I have been working in my other capacity with the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, talking to different countries that are willing to host, and there's actually a number of countries that are willing to host these families. But again, it's the State Department that has to cut the red tape in order for them to get out of the country, the flights to land somewhere, and then for them to be dispersed to host countries. Yeah, in fact, the State Department has, uh, has blockaded several efforts from NGOs that were, had arrangements with the host nation to take a flight and land in another country. And it's the, it's the U.S. State Department that calls their country and says, do not accept this flight or these, uh, these uh, refugees. I, I don't know the motivation behind that, uh, you know, uh, uh, whatever their reasoning would be, uh, but that is that is taking place. Chad, uh, what about the reports that are coming out of Afghanistan of, uh, of Christians and other religious more, uh, minorities being executed by the Taliban? You know, uh, I'm hearing that from, and I'm not hearing it uh, through rumor mills. We're hearing it firsthand from people that we have on the ground in Afghanistan. I have been sent videos, which I can't share publicly because it would reveal the source of 
uh, some of the locations of the safe houses that the Taliban saw those videos. But we have videos of people uh, filming out of their windows of uh, Taliban putting people in the trunks of their car uh, while they're tied up and being drove off. And we're being told they're drove, driven off to execution sites. What do you think is the window, the time frame here by which the, these that are still left behind, vulnerable, how much time do we have to get them out of Afghanistan before it's too late? It's closing fast, Tony. Uh, I mean, we, uh, we, we, I was hoping that Pangea would hold out for two to three months. Uh, I knew it would fall, but I was hoping two to three months. That way we could be flying flights out of a controlled area. Uh, now we only have small pockets of resistance. Uh, and then, you know, we have some areas that it's hard to say, but actually where this not friendly Taliban, but a little more friendly to working with uh, with the flights coming out. Uh, the Taliban has, has not seen to be able to collectively uh, be a unified force yet. And so thankful for that, we're able to still uh, get some of these flights out and even some cross border stuff, uh, both in you know every direction you can imagine. I don't want to say any specific, uh, but we're we're rushing because we don't when I say we're rushing, we're trying to get as many rescues uh, completed right now because we don't know what the window is. We just know it's going to be short. Uh, and and right now we're uh, I'm, I'm flying out again. Uh, I just bought my plane ticket. I'm flying out here in two days and going back over there and uh, doing some admon for some uh, at the rescue operations that we have ongoing um, and to get more people out because we know that window is, is definitely closing. Uh, Chad Robichaud, you've you've uh, as I mentioned at the top of the, this section seg segment that you've been you had eight deployments you've been there many more times over the last twenty years the U.S. has been there in Afghanistan you've been there a large part of that time what do you make of what's happening what what, what I mean how can you explain what we're witnessing well first of all you know and this isn't a popular opinion but uh, I think we've been conditioned to believe that we were in a twenty year war. And that we uh, we were in the endless war, and we had to get out of Afghanistan. And that foundational truth is just you know it's just not true. We we were uh, not in a twenty year war. The war was over three years ago. Uh, we were supporting and advising the Afghan National Army in in relationship with the entire international community. Bagram Air Force Base was the most strategic location in the globe in today's current world between Iraq, Iran, uh, Russia, China, uh, and the international community owned that. And we rotated there and supported the Afghan National Army to fight off the Taliban on their on their own turf. And it was working. And we were kind of pushed to believe that we had to get out of this with only 4,000 troops there. In fact, we at one point, we only had 2,500 troops there. And uh, and I believe that, uh, you know, that was why I believe it's a falsehood is because you look at something like Japan, where we have 80,000 troops since World War II, or Germany with 40,000, or South Korea with 30,000 troops. Why was it such an imminent uh decision that we had to get 4,000 troops out. And when the entire, this was decided without the rest of the inter international community, who was successfully keeping terrorism at bay by participating at Bagram Air Force Base. And as you mentioned, that base was very strategic, not just for Afghanistan, but for that entire region of the uh, world. Yeah, and now it is, it's still a strategic location, only it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to Iran, it belongs to China, it belongs to Russia and, uh, and Pakistan now. And so, you know, we've we've taken the, that most strategic location on the globe and we've given it to our enemies. Will the Taliban, will they will will they contain their activities there to Afghanistan? Or are you concerned that the very reason we went over there 20 years ago to address terrorism is going to find its way back to American soil? 
No, I think anybody who's read a history book knows what uh, you know who the Taliban is and what their ideology is. It's you know, to convert or kill the rest of the world that doesn't believe in the in the radical jihadist ideology, and uh, and they they will uh, uh, put up madrasas around the country. They're going to take all these kids that are there and they're going to run them through madrasas and uh, and sow hate into their hearts and and teach them that the rest of the world is uh is to be exterminated and they're going to be uh, you know pushing these young kids out uh, around the globe to conduct terrorism uh, on a global scale and particularly. The West, America is going to be, you know, at the top of the list. And so this is going to be something that we, uh, this isn't a war, a 20-year war that we end it. This is a new war that we started by, uh, by not keeping that, our, our, our finger on, uh, on the pulse of, of the Middle East, the terrorism in the Middle East, and uh, keeping control of the Taliban in that region. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be horrific for the, for the free world. Yeah. I uh, unfortunately think you are right. Uh, Chad Robichaud, always great to talk with you. Thank you for what you're doing uh, for those who are at risk and being targeted there in Afghanistan. God bless. Thank you. All right. Uh, Chad Robichaud, Mighty Oaks, a fellow Marine doing his part to, uh, to help those who are being targeted by the Taliban in Afghanistan. All right, folks, that brings us to the end of today. But we'll be back, Lord willing, tomorrow, and I hope you will as well. We'll be uh, hearing from Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona, who's just returning from the border. We'll get a firsthand take on that. Also, Attorney General Dave Yost is with us tomorrow to talk about what he's doing as it pertains to critical race theory in the public schools. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.